In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Welcome back to the Hero Series, presented by myself, David Gibbons, and Dr. Susan Anthony. Our guest today, Dr. Jude Caravan, PhD, is a cosmologist and previously the most senior businesswoman in Britain. She now works worldwide as a planetary healer, internationally acclaimed author and inspirational speaker. In a well-grounded, accessible and inspiring way, her global work reconciles leading-edge science, research into consciousness and spiritual wisdom aiming to empower others, raise awareness and facilitate practical and sustainable harmony and wholeness on personal and collective levels. In addition to her writing and healing work with people and places, she speaks regularly at international conferences, leads workshops and appears on television and radio. Dr. Jude Caravan's books include The Eighth Chakra, The Thirteen Steps and Cosmos, co-authored with Dr. Irvin Laszlo. Recently she was awarded the 2010 Circle Award by One Buddhism International and sponsored by the United Nations, cited for her outstanding contribution to planetary healing and expanding new forms of consciousness and Dr. Susie Anthony, co-creator of the Hero series. Quoted recently by Professor Mihor Ledwith, former senior papal advisor to John Paul II. Dr. Susie Anthony's award-winning personal spiritual development book, A Map to God, Awakening Spiritual Integrity, takes you on the shortest journey, out of the head and into the heart. It may well be the shortest journey, but is often the longest because of the multitude of self-inflicted barriers and obstacles we put in our way. This is what this powerful book and Susie's work addresses at the deepest level. How to get over ourselves. Susie Anthony is a peace activist and a great visionary. She went through a profound and potent personal transmutation as a result of a series of near-death experiences, from feeling stuck in bondage to a system whose values she had never chosen, but in which she blindly believed, to where she is today. Anyone who has worked 18 hours a day to try to keep up with the rat race will find this book and working with her personally to be literally a lifesaver. Susie walks her talk and she has truly experienced all she shares. She's the real deal, expertly yet simply written. My hope is that this visionary work will awaken the masses to really respond to the call of spirit, wholeness and healing, the true stuff of the hero's journey. I could not put it down personally. This incredible book will dramatically change your life and perceptions of reality. Read it if you dare. Welcome back to the Heroes series on In Discussion. 
It's an absolute pleasure today to be joined by our special guest, Dr. Jude Caravan, and of course, Susie Anthony. Ladies, welcome to you today. Hi, David. Hi, David. Hi, Susie. Hi, Jude. I believe that last time we finished with level four, meeting with the mentor. The hero meets a mentor to gain advice or training for the adventure. And that takes us on swiftly today to level five. And we will continue there, level five, crossing the first threshold. The hero crosses, leaves the ordinary world and goes into the special world. Question for you, Jude Caravan. When you turned your back on the world of international business and high finance, and you sacrificed your position at the top of the ladder in that ordinary yet very seductive and powerful material world, you took the powerful risk of sacrificing your own personal comfort zone and security. Did the rites of passage type letting go of the ordinary work precipitate and, and perhaps provoke inner revelations that began to powerfully transform you. Susan Anthony says that the most important thing we need to do in order to reconnect to the hero inside and the messages from the special world is to simplify and slow down so that we become first present and aware and then conscious. I would ask you, firstly, do you agree with this? And in your own slowing down process, did you feel as if you had entered another world, perhaps not initially evident, but eventually providing you with higher purpose and greater meaning? And can you describe that crossing into the special world, the psychological challenges, as well as the practical issues involved? Well, I, I guess for me, David, it was very much a sense of I was already beginning, after being in this material, you know, international business world for so long, things were happening on a personal level that were helping me to literally remember my childhood connection that was, had been so strong, but that for most of my business career had been progressively sort of put to one side. And as I began to literally remember that connection, I was finding that there started to be a sort of a separation, um, which I hadn't been aware of to that degree before, between the extraordinary world that I was being, if you like, welcomed back into, and the ordinary world that was um, less and less meaningful for me. And so gradually this sort of separation or this perceived, the difference was becoming more and more aware for me. And I was becoming less and less happy with my life in international finance, in, in business. And in 1996, I, I just knew it was the right time to make a, a leap. God knows where that leap was going to take me, but I knew I had to move on. And what happened was very pragmatically, a strategic review of the business uh, was, was uh, needed, necessary. And I was leading the team um, that was making recommendations to the board, of which I was a member, of what should be done. And basically, I was very much putting forward those proposals to do the right thing for the company, but actually it also meant it was doing the right thing for me, which was for me to leave and, and move on. And that last year was very, very interesting, because I, I wonder if Susie's come across this as well. 
But as I went through the last year of my corporate life, as it were, knowing that I was going to leave, it was actually the most challenging year I'd ever experienced. It was very, very difficult. There were new people around who were just making things extremely difficult. And actually, although it was very much my decision to move on and I wanted to move on, it was as though spirit was calling me forward in one way and closing the door behind me so that I wasn't going to be able to go back in another way. And I look at that with hindsight and think, God, how perfect. But at the time, it was very difficult. And I did some of the best work I'd ever done in that year, but it was also the most difficult, traumatic year as well. But it was very much the right thing on every level that I can have a sense of. I was going to ask you, actually, if it was, looking back on it now, apparent to other people, this shift that you were traveling through and some sort of feedback uh, psychologically that you were receiving from then, uh, did it feel as if they were supporting you unknowingly in this transition? I feel there were, actually. I mean, not so much in my business life, as it were, but in my personal life, you know, there were things that were happening. I was getting an enormous sense of reconnecting with my, my guidance and, and my intuition and being the Susie knows from her experience over her lifetime, you know, different guides were coming forward and I was getting messages, I was getting understanding. I was getting enormous support in that sense. So it very much felt on that level that everything was just flowing in its perfect way. But of course, in the ordinary day-to-day life that I was living, Um, it still was throwing up enormous challenges. But as I say, it was very much that spirit was calling me forward, but at the same time, and it was much clearer in hindsight, but it was very obvious in many ways at the time too, that the door behind me was being shut. It was very clear that I was not to return to business, that I was not to just go and find another job in uh, in international business. It was very much a leap into this next stage of my journey. Turning to yourself, uh, Susan Anthony, having made your own personal leap of blind faith out of the ordinary world of do, have, consume, distract, can you describe what ultimately awaited you after that divine intervention and near-death transformative experiences that you went through yourself? Well, first of all, I can reiterate what Jude was talking to, that I also had this sense of not being allowed to return to the big business arena. And every attempt I made, because I was, unlike Jude, I wasn't quite as courageous or calm or filled with faith and patience. I was running old patterns of fear and lack and poverty consciousness, thinking, wow, I have all these big bills, I have to go and get another big job. But each time I got the big job, I was always made redundant, or the company Mm. went bang, or something happened. And eventually, I realized, you know, I think the world is trying to tell me something here, and I'm just going to follow my bliss, which was, and following that bliss, I immediately reconnected to a chain of synchronistic and 
unusual events, and I found I was guided to all the right people, places, things, powerfully conscious teachers, shamans and alchemists, people who recognize my awakening state. And each teacher was completely expert in their own field and able to assist me to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And I was led to all kinds of people who taught me the various teachings that I'm now synthesizing in my work, and that's my elixir, really. What I discovered was that basically no one path has all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the truth, all the healing, all the magic, or all the faith. And this revelation really inspired me to compile a series of courses and books gathering and unifying the various teachings that I've received from all the various paths. And this is what I call PSA Life Mastery. And the PSA stands for Personal Spiritual Alchemy. And even for some, this is still too esoteric. So I've now subsequently been guided to further simplify these teachings to the format of the Hero's Adventure And this is really the sum total of my life's work. And it's been a total labor of love. And I feel it's ready now for mass consumption. At first, when I realized this was my mission, if you like, I felt a bit daunted, to say the very least. And at first, I thought, my God, I don't think I can do this. (laughs) Who am I to perform this great task? But I decided through guidance and in times of calm and peace that the job was so important that in terms of assisting with collective awakening, which is occurring now, that even if I felt I was too small for it or not good enough or not ready, never mind, I would just go for it. I would trust my hero self. And that's really how my hero self was born And all of this began to occur probably about 12 to 15 years ago. And by that time, I'd definitely seen enough miracles and experienced enough synchronicities in my life. So I I just trusted with all my heart and soul that I'd be guided to do this work well. And of course, to sum it up, positive expectations have really created positive outcomes. And here we all are. But there were some pretty heavy tests along the way, real hero's journey stuff. Mm. And if it didn't kill me, I realized it was making me stronger. And Mm. talking of tests, David, I think this leads us neatly back to the next stage of the hero's journey. (laughs) I was just going to ask you, Susie, before we move on, you talk about, and this uh, is a good, great question for uh, Jude Caravan as well. You're talking about this stage as being destined to help others. And that is definitely being in service. During this stage of the journey, is that a, as apparent then being in service as it is now? Or has it manifested itself to a much higher level of meaning for you? Not really. I mean, I just couldn't find any 
better reason to come back into the ordinary world rather than to help others. And I just literally developed overnight a burning desire, if you like, to embody selflessness, which is it's the quality of unselfish concern for the welfare of others and definitely acting with less concern for yourself. And trust and faith played a big part in that because sometimes I was giving not knowing where I would be able to earn the money to, to balance my finances in terms of what I'd given to others. But I learned to trust. And guess what? Everything just flowed back to me tenfold. I was going to ask Jude Caravan to just give us a, an exchange on that point, on, on this point of service uh, and giving completely in an unrestricted, unlimited way. Is this the way, uh, Jude Caravan, that you saw this at this stage of the hero's journey? I began to. Um, as Susie mentioned, David, you know, the, 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 the sixth step is, is a test and allies and enemies and where the hero faces tests and meets allies and confronts enemies and learns the rules, the principles, the special world. And for me, my hero's journey at this point literally began a hero's journey because it really was straight out of myth when between 2001 and 2006, I found myself guided to offer 13 healing journeys around the world. And those healing journeys literally were of inner discovery as well as outer discovery. But I began those journeys because back in 98-99, when everything about me was falling away, literally, after I left the corporate world, within three years I'd lost everything. I thought I needed my then husband, my home, even the new spiritual community that I'd built around me. Literally, by mid-99, in fact, it was the solar eclipse of August of 1999, everything was gone. And I had to give up my then home. I moved to a tiny little cot uh, cottage in the Avebury landscape, which is my, my beloved cat. And I began to get this enormous download of information. And what it was was information about how I could be in service, how I could be in service to planetary healing, how I could be in service to the healing of the fear-based patterns and the emotional wounding that we carry on a, a collective level. So it was very much that sense of service. But then what happened is through the, the next, I suppose, from 99 through to the end of the 13 journeys in 2006, so seven, eight years, it was a step-by-step -step process of shedding the ego parts, you know, all of the ego stuff, and moving ever more into this sense of, of service. Just before we go to level six, uh, Susie, I was going to ask the question, therefore, with all of that said, I made this uh, statement not long ago. I said, in order to gain everything, that you have to lose everything. Is, is that effectively what is occurring at this stage? Yes, I think that's one way of putting it. I mean, how I would put it is whatever you wish to receive in life, Christ, one of the great master teachers, said, then become it and give it freely. And I wished to, to be loved, to feel loved. And so I decided 
I would become love and give it freely, whether it was giving someone food, clothing, shelter, healing, wisdoms, if they asked for help, helping them. That worked for me. That helped me turn my life inside out, upside down, and completely around. That returns us, I believe, to the sixth level of the hero's journey, tests, allies, and enemies, where the hero faces tests, meets allies, confronts enemies, and learns the rules of the special world. Jude Caravan, at this crucial stage, I'd like to quote from Susie's notes. The hero's journey is about being willing to face and embrace fear in all its guises, which liberates us to make more conscious choices from love and compassion rather than fear for survival. And Susie feels, and I have come to agree, that this is more important than ever as the old system and old beliefs continue to break down for the purpose of breaking through to expanded states of consciousness and new ways of living in harmony with each other and the earth. Yet how easy was it for you to anchor that consciousness of compassion and love when you were tested with powerful experiences of loss and betrayal and perhaps friends whose behavior made them seem more like enemies also lastly or finally just how did you summon the courage to fund a will to continue in the face of all kinds of uncertainties well when when i lost everything i suppose one of the greatest fears we have is just fear itself You know, I can't remember if it's Churchill Roosevelt said that. You know, we have to fear as fear itself. And what I found through that period of of losing so much is that the worst fear was just the fear of the loss rather than the loss itself. I remember for a few months before my then husband left me, I just knew it was going to happen. And every morning I woke up and felt as though I had an iron band around my chest. I could hardly breathe. And I woke up in pain, and I went through the day in pain, and I went to sleep in pain. And nothing had yet happened, but because I was fearful of it, that fear was was more painful than the actual loss itself when it it happened. And in fact, when my then-husband did leave me, I had the most amazing transcendent experience after those months of pain and and fear. When it actually happened, I had three days when literally I was was taken up and I could see. I could see another life that he and I had led together. I could see the contract that he and I had made together in this life, why we needed to come together and why we now needed to part. And I was in amazing bliss unbelievable bliss, completely incongruous bliss, for three days with that realization. Then, of course, I came down to earth, but I came back down to earth with a very different perspective. And that's one of the many, many amazing gifts that came to me in the you know, next few years and still do, because you know, having lost on a material level and on an emotional level, um, in that way, and moving to this tiny little cottage all alone with my cat, um, what I found I was being given day by day is I was being gifted with an incredibly 
profound and ever-deepening understanding of the cosmos. And just as Susie said, her prayer was for love. Mine was for to understand. I always had this overwhelming curiosity to understand the nature of reality, to understand who we really are. And ultimately, we are love. So without being specific about that, what came to me was both understanding and enormous love. But it came step by step, and it really took me beyond my ego, as, as Susie knows, that is the hero's journey, to an understanding of oneness, to a deeper understanding of service, and to a willingness, I guess, to realize that we are good enough, that if we open our hearts, if we follow our bliss, if we answer the highest call of spirit, then it's good enough. And that is the hero's journey, I think. Susan Anthony, with all that said, we've talked about this stage often, and you are fond of the part in the movie The Matrix. You love that film, don't you, Susie? Where Cypher betrays his friends and allies for a chance to plug back into the forgetting The Matrix to be able to eat steak, be an actor who becomes a president. And we're all smiling now, remembering this. Yet this is exactly the kind of temptation we need to resist in ourselves and forgive in others. Just how did you overcome the chaos of this level of the hero's journey yourself? What sort of special tools for transformation did you access that helped you to change yourself then your world and above that what has kept you strong in compassion and forgiveness when others have treated you so very badly on occasions well i think what's kept me in compassion and forgiveness when others have let me down or betrayed me is is to remember the wise words of Anne rand that they're not betraying me they're betraying their own souls and the wise words of don miguel ruiz Toltec shaman who said don't take it personally and that's very easily done but by the time you're telling yourself oh don't take this personally you already are it's too late <laughs> so anyway but I think the ultimate gift from my studies in and of the special world center around remembering that I am a creator and that every word thought feeling, belief, creates the reality I choose to experience. So to me, it was being aware that I had this power and being aware of the choice points too. And I was born with Mercury in Virgo, which is all about being keenly aware of the pattern of life and the importance of recognizing the pattern in order to co-create with it. As John Perkins would say, I have the innate wisdom within me of being able to dream the web of life. Everyone has this. I just seem to have it by virtue of Mercury and Virgo more, or I can access it more readily. One of my hero challenges early on was to learn to dream the web consciously and to dream it from love rather than unconsciously on automatic pilot from fear. And to be honest, this really takes years and years of practice. It takes focus, it takes discipline, and wish fulfillment too, 
requires detachment from an open heart. All of these concepts are simple, but they're not easy because it really does take tremendous effort. And as Jude has, has exampled, great sacrifices and risks are involved too. And I know she put in the effort and I put in the effort. It's amazing the harder I worked, the more readily I was able to create my own personal reality and to take responsibility for it, especially mm. when it didn't work out. And mm. that's another test. But after 15 years or so now, my challenge on the hero's journey is about learning to create harmony and balance, not only with reference to my own personal perspective, but also the collective perspective. So I'm on the same page here with Jude. It's no longer about personal healing. It's about planetary healing. The purpose behind all of this co-creator work is to experience authentic peace of mind. And this is another major hero test. And when you put in the effort, you receive the gift. You do receive the peace of mind. No matter what is happening around you, you can still see the gift and stay peaceful. And when we're in harmonious relationship with the pattern of life, understanding that everything lives, dies, and resurrects, and this is touching on the work of Einstein and, and Irvin Dardic, my friend, we can then more easily co-create peace because it's so much easier to recognize the patterns and how to work with them. And I'll just explain this. I'll deepen this for our listeners in case they wonder what on earth am I talking about. But when a person's first learning to drive a car, the pattern isn't very familiar you have to keep track of your speed, what lane you're driving in, the traffic lights, signs and signals, the other cars as well, how long it takes to stop, how to make turns, and so many other factors that we eventually take for granted once we know the pattern of driving. In fact, it becomes so automatic that we often then don't consciously think that much about how to drive. And this is true of anything that we become skilled at. And at first there's a learning curve, and then once it's familiar and we feel certain of what we're doing at an intuitive or um, deep unconscious level, an automatic response takes over. When we have certainty about what we're doing, there's a greater peace of mind about whatever it is we're doing. But the downside of this is that it could become hypnotic or so automatic that we're no longer consciously participating. And I have a theory that this is how our world fell asleep and it's how we lost connection with the hero inside. And for me, the blessing of all the potentially gloom and doom prophecies with relevance to 2012 and earth changes I see this as a blessing. I see the gift that cosmic influences are aligning to shake us all up so powerfully that there's a possibility of expanding or interrupting these automated patterns. And this is intended very aptly, as Jude was saying earlier, to get our attention and get us more involved in actively co-creating our reality once more. Mm. It's a collective example, again, 
David, of my favorite thing, opportunity disguises loss for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Before we go on to level seven, I wanted to, if I may, ask both of you this, and I'm taking this down to a very grassroots level basis. Both uh, yourself, Jude and Susie, keep using this word intuitive. And in my life, in the work that I've done for the last 12 months, I keep thinking to myself that almost I'm going through this cellular change and that my mind and my heart are thinking more intuitively every day than in any other way. Is that part of that process, part of this evolution, do you think? David, I'd like to sort of respond to your question in two ways, I guess. I tend to see our experiences and the way that the world is woven together very much in threes. We just think naturally in threes. You know, we have beginnings and middle and ends and we think of, of sort of masculine and feminine and child. But for me, any initiation, any learning takes three aspects or has three aspects. The first is what I call instigation, where we decide to consciously or otherwise show up for some sort of learning, for some sort of understanding. And then the second part of that process is what I call the inner tuition process, that actually if you put that word together, it becomes the intuitive process. It's the way of, of an inner learning. And then when we go on from that to integrate our understanding, we go to the next level of awareness. So by being able to have that intuitive or inner tuitive, inner tuition, we're actually aligning ourselves, attuning ourselves with our own highest wisdom. And I think when that happens, that connection with our own higher guidance just begins to flow through us. And for me, that's very much a fundamental aspect to the hero's journey. The hero starts out as this very ordinary, Susie perhaps would describe someone who was asleep. The hero then begins to take responsibility for themselves, uh, begins to see the, you know, experience the world in a new way. And part of that experience in the world in a new way is that inner tuition, that inner understanding, that intuitive connection that gradually moves that person into the hero that they ultimately become. So I just feel that that's the process that you're actually going through when you're beginning to have a deeper sense of that intuitive connection. Susan Anthony, would you like to respond to that? Well, I can add only something very small. It's about unity consciousness. And again, it's Jude's three. And when we begin to determine to wake up, we reconnect to Father Sky and Mother Earth and a kind of magical conjunctio occurs, an alchemy inside that begins a birthing process of your inner child, your magical, mystical child. My sense is that when you set the wheels in motion for this to, to begin to occur, all kinds of guides and companions and providence is 
activated and it just turns on higher brain centers and starts to harmonize the left brain and the right brain. And so your previously dormant intuitive capacities are just really, really brought to the fore. And I, I know, David, having worked with you now since April, I can see this process occurring and it's magical. Can I just ask you, Susan Anthony, just before we do move on, uh, and I think this is important, and I have looked at your your work, obviously, Jude Caravan, on, on your site and your, your podcasts, but Susan, we talk about this intuition, and my life has changed to the extent now where w- when I walk out of the door, I see something completely different to what I did even eight or nine months ago. But it seems to me that we see probably a minute fraction of our real universe, which is probably more reality than the reality that we understand now. Would you say, Susan, that is that a good definition of that special world that at this level we are moving into in that intuitive uh, fashion? Definitely. I think it was Dr. Gary Schwartz who said that in terms of what we consciously perceive and really what's out there, what's out there is about as big as the Empire State Building and we consciously perceive three grains of sand. And with all that said, it takes us on to the seventh level of the hero's journey, the approach. This is where the hero has hit setbacks during tests and may need to try a new idea. And for Jude Caravan, Susie talks in great depth about the importance of overcoming this ego shadow persona and the conversation from me thinking to we thinking being the fundamental key to finding the hero within. Now, in terms of hitting setbacks on your own journey, particularly with reference to your 13 global pilgrimages, were these setbacks related to old ego-based thinking, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors that perhaps were still unconscious, which needed to be brought to awareness and healed? And how, do you, how did you achieve this? Oh, absolutely, they were setbacks related to old ego-based thinking. <laughs> what had happened, David, is, is when I, I got the, very much the download to do this, this pilgr- these pilgrimages, this work of healing, this work in service to planetary healing um, and our collective healing. At an unconscious level, and I think it was unconscious to begin with, everything was falling into place and I was beginning to think, and I, I know Susie will laugh at this, I had a mission, started my mission, and everything was falling into place. Like Susie, I was doing it very much out of love. I didn't have any idea how I was going to fund it. I had no money at the time. Uh, but everything fell into place and I was able to take things forward. Um, but what I was finding is through the first few journeys of the 13, that although I was learning a huge amount, one huge aspect of which was to integrate the light and the shadow within me, begin to take full responsibility for my choices, make those choices ever more out of love rather than fear, 
but then to really begin to understand and experience, begin to touch, begin to really experience unity conscious and realize that to do that, I had to transcend all judgment and all sense of light and shadow and embrace it and release it. I was nonetheless working with this semi-conscious now level of of ego that, that this was an important mission and I had to keep going. And it came to the fifth mission, the fifth journey of the mission, and I just remarried. And my new husband, Tony and myself, went with 22 other people, as it were, 22, 24 other people, on this fifth journey to Peru. And it was a nightmare. On a planetary level, on a working with elementals, and on, a, on, on that level, it was wonderful. But it was as though I was completely ignored within the group. And I just couldn't make my voice heard. And it became more and more difficult. And I got back from that journey, and it was really at that point, it was either going to be a breakdown or a breakthrough moment. And I think that's very much where we are collectively, by the way. Um, And the breakdown would have been to remain in the ego and to jump up and down, which I did for a while and whatever. Um, And I suddenly saw myself doing that. And I suddenly got one of those incredible aha moments. And I realized that, you know, this mission had become something that was just linking into my ego. And it had become a burden that I was carrying. And in a moment, just by that realization, everything just fell away. And everything changed in that moment. It was no longer a mission. It was no longer a burden. It was literally, as Susie described, It was as if I was going to go on, it was going to just follow my bliss. And that's what I did. And that was that breakthrough moment. But it could quite easily have been a breakdown. And thank God it wasn't. I'd like to move uh, back to you, Susie Anthony, on summing up on how to embrace this chaos. And it's evident, is it not, Susie, that the whole world now is suffering this uh, what uh, Jude Caravan uh, described as collective chaos. H- how would you sum this up? And also, how would you describe how to embrace the fears that come with that, not only individually, but also how we have to do it collectively? Well, I observe all the chaos in the world today as being part of a series of tests and setbacks to force or to guide heroes in training, us, into exploring new ways and developing new ideas for living. And this very concept guided me to to transform totally my solitary, peripatetic, globe-trotting life and to complete my circle by returning to Glastonbury, where I was born, to live in community, to establish community. And I came to realize that if we don't combine our resources and share, and this is the blessing of the chaos, we don't have much chance of survival in terms of all the collective initiations. Visionaries are saying that 
all kinds of tests that are going to be coming into our experience. Wars, famine, water shortages, toxic weather, natural disasters, economic difficulties. It's not a pretty picture. But if you're egoless, selfless, and above all, prepared, if you're aware and awake, you can sail through even this with effortless ease, you can grow, evolve, and become a real-life hero. And you can choose to live the different life we're all being called to live. And it is about community. I, I really believe this. And in terms of how do I, how do I embrace the chaos and, and conquer the fear, well, like Jude, I've, I've learned shamanic tools for transformation and... Animal power totems are a great, great help. And I mean, for me, I've worked for the last four years with bat and snake medicines. And bat is the Mayan and Aztec symbol for rebirth. And if you think, bats hang upside down in the cave, similar to babies in the womb preparing for birth. And the darkness of the cave is very safe for the bat, just as the womb is safe for the child. But in leaving the cave or the womb, just as Jude said previously, we're forced to look at the light and at the shadows it produces, and then we're given the choice to follow the dark or the light, whichever furthers our growth most. So consciously confronting this duality of life is an unavoidable stage of our evolution into wholeness. Through this confrontation, we finally see that both the dark and the light contribute to our awareness and our growth process equally. And this is exactly what Jude was talking about. And snake medicine, on the other hand, is something I work with daily because snake spirit medicine gives us the gift of being able to transmute all poisons into medicines. So when you have all these new age gurus walking around saying the air is toxic, the water is toxic, your food's toxic, toxic thoughts, I just bless all that by invoking snake medicine and I see everything transmuted back into perfection. And snake also assists us very, very powerfully to shed the skins of the past. And in times of transformation of the deepest and most dynamic levels of the the psyche, snake has been definitely my most powerful friend. It facilitates initiation into the very deepest, darkest, most hidden levels of the unconscious. It helps us to integrate the new and the old, the positive and less positive archetypal energies. And there's like a smoothing of the transition between what become daily deaths and rebirths on this path. So these have been great allies and friends to me and certainly for the next part of the journey, the ordeal, snake and bat totems are very, very powerful. And it's very easy as well to invoke an animal totem. You you can just look at a picture or often the pictures will come to you. Like I, I walked into a shop and saw a mug with badger on it 
my little badges calling to me. The next shop I walked into two minutes later, the guy blocking the doorway on the front of his T-shirt, he had the word badger. So animal totems summon us. And by the way, the gift of badger is assertive feminine energy and Mm -hmm. taking you to the top in your field and hopefully for the greatest good of the whole rather than the ego. That takes us nicely into the eighth level, the ordeal, the biggest life or death crisis that the hero faces. And I think that we know that the world is in crisis, yet the special hero world rules apply here in that the crisis causes loss. But as Susie had remarked earlier, it's always opportunity disguised as loss. And we'll talk about the new life out of divine chaos and distraction. We're clearly in a chaotic, destructive time uh, with earthquakes, fires, oil spills, hurricanes and tornadoes, floods and climate change and wars and terrorist attacks and global economic collapse, just to name the ones that are making the headlines recently, and Susie touched on this a moment ago, and the feelings of fear generated by increasing uncertainty of what might be next are a natural result, and with all the intensifying increasing chaos, unpredictability and navigation through the unknown, it's easy to lose our centre and perspective, and to quote Susie, miss the initial choice points. For Jude Caravan, do you agree with this and can you describe some of your own initiatory choice points with reference to this particular stage of the journey? Mm. Well, I, I agree, obviously, we are in chaotic times, but as a scientist as well as a mystic, David, I study com- what's called complexity theory. And what complexity theory shows us is that Everything that we see around us, everything that we call reality on the physical level, is actually made up of patterns, fractal patterns. And those fractal patterns work on every scale of existence, from you know, the minute scale of the quantum to the scale of the whole universe. And those patterns themselves are based on deeper patterns that are called attractors. And those attractors are rather like ruts, they're rather like templates of behavior. For example, our weather patterns, um, however disparate the weather looks around the world over the last, what, four billion years, it's actually based on an incredible simple pattern that looks mathematically like the sign of infinity. So it looks very, very simple. The point is that those complexity are those complex patterns, those strange attractors, um, work within certain boundaries. And within those boundaries, things like the weather will play out. Things like our behavior patterns will play out. But a time comes when those complex systems are stretching the boundaries of those patterns And that's when things become apparently chaotic. And what it is, it's the way in which the world consciousness has to make that bridge, that transition between one level 
of awareness, one level of existence and experience to another. And at that point of apparent chaos, what the, the system is doing, it's either ready to break down and just dissolve, or it's ready to take literally a shift into a higher level of awareness. Um, that's what happens when an electron moves from one orbit to another orbit. It's a quantum shift. It's like a, a musical note. It's one note or it's another note. But just if we were to really look at the mathematics of the transition, we'd see a moment, a tiny moment of apparent chaos at the very edge of that shift. So when we look at all the chaos in the world today, if we can have a sense of that bigger picture, if we can have a sense of Susie says, that there is purpose here, there is meaning here, then we can actually look beyond the, apparent, you know, the appearance of the chaos and appreciate that we're actually in, as the Mayan elders say, we're in the end times of the old era and we're in the birth pangs of the new era. We're literally going through the birth canal of a new way of being. And like any birthing process, it's, it's bumpy, it's, it's a turmoil, it's turbulent, but we have to go through this period of apparent turbulence and chaos if we're really going to shift to an, another level, a higher level of, of awareness. And so seeing that bigger picture for all of us and what's happening within Gaia as a co-creative expression with ourselves of that turmoil because for me and for, I'm sure for Susie too what's happening is a potential shift not just for us as humanity but for Gaia the living earth and all her children then that's what's really happening so taking that down from that bigger picture level on a personal basis I've faced many ordeals and initiations too physical, mental, emotional in my journey and the greatest have been on the emotional levels, the repeated cycles of loss and betrayal from early childhood onwards. But despite the loss of family at times, friends, partners, homes, finances, careers, whatever, even in the darkest of hours and however desperate the situation, I've always known that this is in alignment with the highest purpose of my journey and that also I've been incredibly looked after, and that ultimately all will be well, and is well. And as my work now is, as Susie's is on a planetary and collective basis, I just scale that up, and I see what's happening economically and, and on a planetary level in every other way as this birthing process to a new way of being for all of us, and for Gaia as well. And with that, it sadly brings us to the end of this program today. And I believe, Susie Anthony, you're going to expand on that initiation as the chosen method that you believe in elevating that consciousness on this planet. And we will start our next program with that statement by Susan Anthony. And that brings us to the end of our level eight in the hero's journey. For Dr. Jude Caravan and Dr. Susie Anthony, it has been an enormous pleasure today. I do hope that you have enjoyed the program as much as I have. 
Well, I certainly have. Listening to Jude has instilled in me a sense of faith and calm, and I feel I can cope with absolutely anything. Thank you, Jude. Thank you to both of you. And to our listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed this second part in our three-part series of the Hero Series with Dr. Jude Caravan, our special guest. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, do come back to us next time for the third program in this series, the levels 9 to 12 of Dr. Jude Caravan's journey. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Dot com.